Hi, how are y'all? Well, Dylan has suffered a horrible, horrible defeat, so... Yes, his Wi-Fi has destroyed him. For reasons unknown. <laughs> Dylan, how you holding up? You okay, buddy? I'm just looking into the woods and thinking, man, this guy that's full society sounding pretty good, right? I'm just gonna wander off into the woods and become a cryptid. You sounded like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of a robot sort of filter on your voice. I'm just a robo cryptid. It's okay, half, we can dub over big your foot, parts later. Half robot. <laughs> um all um, man. All man, mostly robot. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Sarah. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. And who are you? Uh, ain't that ain't that the big question, though? Ain't yeah. that ain't that what it's all about? <laughs> that's the hokey pokey right there. Anyways, that's Jesse. <laughs> you can't prove that. <laughs> and I'm Dylan, and everything is awful right in this exact moment. Your voice, but, your voice sounds less like a robot now, which is so cool. maybe that's not the case. I want to talk about Hotel Transylvania yeah, so bad. Yeah, we're here bad. to talk about Hotel Transylvania, uh, but we're going to redo that intro because it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. to say what do you want her what do you want, want this to be some like good attitude <laughs> okay so sarah sarah kick it off and let's do let's do this summer camp style i want you to say your name your <laughs> don't say your age because we can't you never ask a lady her age <laughs> uh so say your name your favorite color and <laughs> your top End of sentence. Who's your top? My top? Yeah. Who Who's is it? <laughs> this has already become very sexual. This is great. This is good radio. Okay, how about, how about we do our name, a, a favorite something, and a something we're excited about right now. All right. Kick, okay. kick it off. Kick it off, okay, Grandmaster. Okay, okay. My name's Sarah. My favorite color is teal. And right now I'm really excited about uh, my history of manga class I'm in right now. Nerd, gay nerd, gay nerd, gay nerd. But hey, at least I'm an educated gay nerd. (laughs) Which probably makes it worse. Maybe. Definitely makes it worse. <laughs> could could be worse. Could be a worse thing. 
yeah. Okay, Jesse. Hi. Hi, my name's my name is Jesse. It continues to be Jesse. It says so on all the papers. Um my favorite song from the guy who didn't like musicals is still not your seed, and I've listened to it seventy-eight times today. So I know it pretty well by now, and I am excited to listen to it for the 79th time when this is done. And this will be a continuing thread. It's so good. It's just such a good song. (laughs) Hey, my name is Dylan. My favorite movie is still Kung Fu Panda 2. I watched it earlier today. (laughs) Good. And I am just, at this exact moment... Super jazzed about the fact that one day I will die. Oh, Dylan brought it back to a dangerous place. <laughs> it's okay. It's relatable with the millennials battling Wi-Fi for the past several hours. And craves death. <laughs> Be- cra- craves craves death, I feel, is even too too light for where Dylan's at right now. Dylan is actively like eating it. Eating death. Let's just talk about um, Kung Fu Panda 2. Nope, that's... We're not talking about Kung Fu Panda 2 today. When are we not talking about Kung Fu Panda 2, though? Great question. (laughs) Not right now. (laughs) Not today. It's something I have to simply, as a phenomenon, when anyone wants to ask, like when anyone's always saying, like, sequels are always automatically worse, and I'm like, you are wrong, sir. (laughs) Okay, well, we're here to talk about Hotel Transylvania here in the ripe January 30th at the time of recording, so you know what that means. Time for Halloween. Okay, uh, Sarah wants to talk about the cool uh, uh, pictures. I want to talk about the queer energy, and Dylan wants to talk about... Finish my sentence. I, I really, really want to give a quick talk about the history of Sony Pictures Animation and the things that led up to them creating a children's movie with Adam Sandler. Mm. Let's let's start there, TBH, because I don't know that That also sounds like a good intro for, uh, like, like introducing the movie and everything. Alright, so if you guys didn't know... Um, Adam Sandler usually doesn't do movies particularly appealed straight towards kids, although around the same era that Hotel Transylvania came out, there were several movies that he did that were sort of aimed towards children. You'll recall that there was maybe a movie where he read bedtime stories to children named Bedtime Stories. Sure. And I do recall. It was his attempt, I think, to break into this whole children's media, which I think for him is a good step because I feel he's a, a giant time. time. Yeah, he's just like a big child boy. Yeah, he's just like a very large child, I feel like. He's just a very big, very bad 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 child sometimes i do recall also this movie coming out at the same time as the ink art movie which was bad granted but i remember tiny middle school high school sarah being very angry that adam sandler ripped this concept 
Mm. This movie came out in 2012. Also, I found that out earlier today, oh. and frankly, that oh, doesn't okay. that when feels I wrong. High school. <laughs> um, Hotel Transylvania was created and developed by this dude named Todd Durham, which he also wrote the book Hotel Transylvania. Okay, with you so far. He basically created this whole like thing where he was going to write several films, a television series like video games, a hotel chain, and theme park. Based on Hotel Transylvania, the, the property. The property that he wrote. He wrote the book. Okay, with you, with you so far. So, parts of that did happen. Which parts? There is a film franchise. Can I take a guess at the parts that didn't happen? Yeah, I'm going to assume there's at least one video game. I have not seen the television series, although there is a sh- there are some shorts of it that precede other Sony works. If you look at Sony Pictures Animation's uh, filmography, it's I'm pulling it up all over the place. You have their you have their premiere work, Open Season. Oh, <laughs> forgot about that one, didn't I? Followed by Surfs Up, then. Their first movie that I could actually tolerate watching, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. A good film. I'm standing by that one. It's a good movie. I still haven't yeah. seen it. Then, then they did The Smurfs. Mm. Uh, less good, huh? Then Arthur Christmas. A very good, uh, my favorite, my, my personal favorite Christmas movie. So we can all just take a you moment. See, we, we can and you see, be our Christmas this, is, this is my weird thing with Sony Pictures Animation. They are responsible for the best and worst pieces of animation by turn. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The, the, they went on to go create Pirates Band of Misfits, and then right after that, they created Hotel Transylvania. Now, they've also made several sequels to a lot of stuff, but I also want to point to two movies that came out recently that they were responsible for both. Okay, hit it. So in, 20, in July 28th, 2017, Sony Pictures Animation released The Emoji Movie. Oh, uh-huh. uh, that one wasn't so good. That was pretty bad. I remember that. Wasn't so good. That, that movie was... I, I almost feel as if that movie was generated by a predictive algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then you have a flip. They did release Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so conflicted. That you is see, the complete opposite of the spectrum. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Sony Pictures Animation represents the best and worst of animation. See, I want to push back on that just a, just a, just a hair because in my in my humble experience, the the worst of current like pop culture animation is coming out of Illumination Studios, uh, who brought us such classics as all of Despicable Me, The Lorax, The Secret Life of Pets, Sing, and most recently The Grinch. All so, of which like, will be future episodes, <laughs> I'm sure. A lot came out of that question. <laughs> Quick question: Would the minions follow the Grinch? You know what? That's that's a question for the philosophers. That is for men with with big foreheads and and small forearms. I am I'm not here to answer that. 
I'm here to just point out that this one studio is very bad. And Sony does, I would, I would agree that Sony uh, represents the, the, the extremes on the spectrum. It is, it, it is, in and of itself, it is the duality of man. Illumination's just bad. Illumination is just the things we hate about ourselves. Sony shows us both the, the falling angel and the rising ape. <laughs> yes, I think I think I think there's a strong contender for illumination being possibly one of the worst things ever. Um oh god, it's just so bad. I just Which one was the one the with the little with the little forest fairies? Not strange magic. Yeah, I, uh I think it was called Epic. Oh, uh, Epic. Was that was that Illumination? Was that I, Sony? I forget. I forget. I just, that was not Sony. I'm looking it up. This is all stuff that we're going to have to to, to granted, edit and post. It wasn't like great. <laughs> it wasn't great, but, but like, if it was it, Illumination, then it's good for Illumination standards. It was. It was Blue Sky Studios. Oh, okay. Blue Sky yeah, Studios. That one's, one's kind of consistently mediocre. So yeah, we we've got the middle <laughs> ground with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many animation companies? The other thing I was going to talk about was Adam Sandler's history with animated films. Hit it. Oh, no. Wait, oh, don't oh, hit we it. Reverse. Know. We know what. The card reverse. Get it out. So, <laughs> Adam Sandler's history starts with the movie Eight Crazy Nights, nope. which I'm. What movie? Sorry, sure. uh, you you blanked out because uh, uh, your your audio just turned into a void. Um. <laughs> okay, well then we'll move on to the next movie. Yeah, Hotel Transylvania. Fantastic! That, wow, quite the jump. <laughs> so these are two forces um... that have just leapt from like the pits of entertainment to pretty peak, like. Yeah, I think I think this would be a good place for us to talk about our opinion on the movie in terms of like enjoyability as like a property. Are we still talking about Eight Crazy Nights? Because if so, I need to break out Jesse's Jew corner and we're gonna have a whole conversation about this. <laughs> I am not I am not qualified to talk about Eight Crazy Nights. Well, it's the a- only Adam Sandler movie where I feel that that is true. I feel like I, we should talk about um, our opinions on the movie as a whole, but first, I do wholly welcome with open arms Jesse's Jewish Corner. With uh, a hot, welcome, hot, hot welcome take to the Jew Corner, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, <laughs> a blessing on your head. Um, my feelings. Well, what we're gonna we're gonna talk about Hotel Transylvania and our our overall feelings about it, but just to touch on. Mr. Sandler and his relationship to animation, specifically uh, the seminal work Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights and the effect it had on Jewish culture. Why? Hey, why do we only have like four movies, guys? Why do we have four movies we can watch at any given holiday? And this so is one of them. <laughs> 
Yeah, hey, so much for Jews controlling the media, huh, Jesse? Yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, man, I wish, I wish we did. I wish Jews controlled the media. We'd have more movies. And instead, we have Adam Sandler, and he plays three characters. All of them are awful. And then there are many jokes about poop, and none of it has anything to do with Hanukkah. <laughs> And that's, that's the biggest offense, really, is that there's just nothing. There's not a damn thing that has to do with the actual holiday. I, I think the, I the, the big call. problem I have with that movie is I remember it so vaguely that everything that, like, I think maybe happened in it was is either a thing that happened or I'm remembering something very wrong and I'll, I'm going to, like, I'm loath to say anything because I'm afraid if I do say something, you'll be like, well, Dylan, that never happened in the movie. That's a really weird thing. Is that your fetish? <laughs> Is one of your fetishes uh, getting real drunk, breaking into a mall, and then the furniture comes to life to tell you about your parents' last wish before they died in a horrific crash? Because, my okay, dude, so that, that happened, happened in the movie. I thought it was the like the mall icons that came to life, like the store logos and stuff. They did. You're right. You remember this better than I do. <laughs> it but was one of worse the things than you remember. was like a home home furniture sh- uh, store. Oh my god! And also, I do recall the only part of it that had anything remotely to do with Hanukkah was they sing like a song towards the like the crowd randomly starts singing a song towards the end of it. But they start singing a sort of a klezmer inspired song at which at one point during said song a character says and on Christmas Eve and the last night of Hanukkah it's just not fair and then they start kind of kind of riffing in a Jewish way but it's just team we can do better yeah I promise. yeah like, like that's it though that's like the only part <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. So that's my going into Hotel Transylvania. That is my only Adam Sandler animation knowledge. And I think that might be all there is out there. Oh, my God. um, Google really wants to count pixels. And I saw their direct. I saw the council's decision and I I decided it was a stupid ass decision. So I elected to ignore it. As anyway. well, you should. Oh my god! Okay, so that's not saying... an animated movie. I would, I would even challenge calling it a movie. Period. What I would like to hear is for Jesse to give a brief synopsis of Hotel Transylvania and see how much it is clouded with their uh, lesbian <laughs> reinterpretation of the film. So, Gladly. three, two, um, one, go. Briefly, what happened in Hotel Transylvania to the best of, of my clouded memory. Uh, there is a Dracula, and he has a child. Her name is Mavis, and she gets older, and then there's a birthday, and then a human shows up, and then, oh no, uh, she falls in love with that human. Uh, hijinks ensue. Oh, there isn't. Is there a big battle at the end? I don't think there is, actually. There that's is in, not, actually. That's in my version where there's a big battle at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have those lesbian sword scenes. 
Oh, but I just want to give the lesbian swords, you guys. Uh, okay, so there's not a big battle at the end. Oh no, I remember exactly what happens at the end because that feeds into the the queer undertones of this movie. So uh, there is a chase. A chase does occur. Uh, time is of the essence, and then the 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 couple gets together at the end, and everyone's happy. Yay! So I think that's all right. What did y'all think? I watch this movie a lot, so that's yeah. that's a problem. I've seen it too many times to not know it as as well as I I don't. I, I've seen it several times, like way too many times, more times than I should have. And I just constantly, anytime I watch it, I just watch I just watch it and I look at my hands and I go, Why is this so good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I think that's the problem we all come back to. I'm gonna have y'all enter enter a little scenario for a second here. Imagine me on a bus by myself and I have one goal in mind and that is I've had a rough day and I'm going to treat myself to seeing Hotel Transylvania for the first time in the theater by myself. (laughs) And I arrive and the theater is empty and it is just me because this is... um, uh, back when we had that theater that it, it, you could watch uh, movies that had come out a, a little while ago for cheaper. Yeah, the, the second showing. Yeah. Um, so it was just me in the theater, and I deeply enjoy myself, especially considering that there are no children screaming to ruin it for me. And then my favorite part of the film is the ending credits when I get to see all that beautiful concept art. It was just, like, I was just staring, like, I was, like, they were, like, turning the lights up because they were, like, yeah, you want to see this? I'm, like, no, I'm staying for all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at those castle designs. Oh, my God. Now, you see, I've noticed that it sounds like both of you seem interested in the movie and its existence as a property and less in the movie in and of itself. Well, no, like... I do deeply enjoy it. I think it's fun as hell and it's just really charming. It has a lot of heart to it. Like the characters are really endearing and expressive. Um, And like there are things like, you know, it's hyperactive and there's a number of fart jokes, but like that's, you got to acknowledge who the target audience is, of course, is younger kids. So there's going to be that. You got to acknowledge the target audience is Adam Sandler fans. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And also five-year-olds, but maybe there's a bit of a Venn diagram there. <laughs> I I don't know if I like this movie is the problem. I think I am so in love with its potential that it has blinded me to actually being able to see it for what it is. That said, I did write 17 pages of a script of a rewrite for a reason. So I, I care about this. I just don't know there why. There is good juice there. Like mm, I think, tasty juice. I think I really do like like the father daughter dynamic in it. Um, I think that Andy Samberg could voice most characters, and I would enjoy him. True. And his weird uh, stories about David Matthews bands, where a dude tried to eat him, but he was chill. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, there's. there's other things like I don't understand the whole Quasimodo character and why he has to be there. Um, no. Or like I get his function in the film, but the design was not in the best taste. And also, 
if I get into more, though, I'll just start ranting about the animation techniques in it. So, um, just that's its own off. segment. Yeah, that's its own segment. So y'all, <laughs> y'all continue your thoughts. I was also going to bring up the fact that um, there are there's now more than one movie where Andy Samberg is in a movie with Adam Sandler, and in every single movie. Adam Sandler plays a sort of father role to Andy Samberg, which I think might be reflective of how they actually see each other. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Jesse's Jew Corner. Uh, We are talking (laughs) here today about uh, Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler, two two out and proud Jewish men. Uh, One of them being in his, I want to say, like early 50s and the other one in his early 30s. Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised if there is a father-son relationship that has built, probably because uh, they went to the same synagogue. So there you go. I did not know that. They didn't. I'm just, that's a goof. That's a goof that I made up. But like, they are, they are both Jewish. <laughs> you just fucking schooled us there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Um, I would. I, I just wouldn't be terribly surprised if they had some weird sort of father son. I don't even know if it's weird, but like just a father son uh, dynamic happening. Um, I'm now. I'm stepping out of the Jewish corner so I can talk to my the goyim. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> oh, it's great to be back. <laughs> Do you want to talk about um, what should we go into next? The animation or the. I want to talk about the queer energy. Okay, Jesse, go, go, go. Okay. Here's the thing about this movie, for me, personally. This Hotel Transylvania, the first, is a a fine, like, middle-of-the-road, mediocre, full of cliches, romantic comedy. And it's like, it does a decent job of being a romantic comedy. It's just not with the right people. (laughs) And that is the part that I find so fascinating about this film because it hits so many of the like incredibly cliche romantic comedy plot points like uh meet cute where they're spinning around in a in a rotisserie uh door that's not the right word but like the rotary doors where everyone's like falling around each other that's how they meet a revolving door jesse rotisserie door as i said (laughs) and i am going to stand here and plant myself like a tree by the river of truth uh, so they fall around each other in this door, and then there's a misunderstanding, and then they don't really understand who the other is, and they make jokes about it, and then they're, like, kind of uncomfortable with each other, but then at one point, one of them literally falls on the other, and it's a whoopsie-doodle, and then they have the, like, get-to-know-you moment where they're flying around on the tables, and it's real cute, and then he opens up about his trauma and the other one accepts him and then they literally break up and walk away from each other in a cemetery and then Dracula goes and tries to catch him on the plane before he leaves. It's literally the last episode of Friends. (laughs) And I I know, I know, (laughs) I know. I've spent, hold on, my roommate is here. Hello? <laughs> I'm being, I am being uh, 
I am being dragged uh, for my use of the word rotisserie door, but I'm standing by it. <laughs> it is now being circulated. Uh, rotisserie door. We're sticking with it, team. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, so to continue, I hadn't yeah. even thought about it from that angle, but you are correct and like in particularly like it does kind of follow that trend that happens in a lot of romantic comedies where the romantic leads don't particularly like each other from the beginning yeah very pride and prejudice very classic so my point my point with the queer subplot of this movie is that it is part of why this movie is so confused is that it knows the tropes that it wants to use but it doesn't know how to utilize them the way that this movie is supposed to go. So it ends up with Mavis and Johnny not really doing anything together, except for like one very sweet moment where they're sitting on the roof and Mavis wants to look at the sunrise and Johnny's like slowly pulling her back as the sun rises so she doesn't catch on actual fire. Um, so there's that one moment, that one genuinely like sweet and touching moment that happens. But every other romantic moment in this movie happens between Johnny and Dracula. Yeah, because, like, with the whole zing thing, it's, it's like, it's a cute concept, but it's literally just an excuse for Johnny and Mavis are in love now because we said so, because you saw the little pink flashes in their faces. Um, meanwhile, all the actual emotional development happens between Johnny and Dracula, and it's just kind of like, what y'all doing? <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Zing for a second, because that can feed into the, the the queerness of this movie. Um, I haven't been a straight person in a while. Not since so 1956. I can't I can't be sure that that's how it how it works for the straights anymore. But that doesn't. I don't think that holds up in court, team. Yeah, like team, I don't think I the think... Zing is like a functional metric because yeah, like your parents will or your grandparents will tell you things like oh i saw them and i knew but like people can just say that <laughs> Doesn't yeah mean it's it's true so like i mean god i mean i gotta say like i've done that but like that didn't mean we were compatible yeah, yeah i, I mean like... you you see someone and you like them and that's fine but that doesn't mean you're soulmates. Yeah, I feel like yeah, along... I've experienced I've experienced love at first sight many, many times. It doesn't mean that we're gonna work out. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a long-lasting romantic relationship probably relies more on like actively working at it and communicating with each other and like understanding each other. And like love is a choice, y'all. It's a like it's effort. But it's like a good effort, you know, because you build something real nice together. Yes. And love at first sight doesn't exist. Yeah, because, and honestly, I think choosing to love someone is more romantic. Because, like, I remember, like, in Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> just to Another great off, piece of cinema. Um, like, at the, the end when, uh, spoilers, when, like, they're like, oh, Prince Turnip, you know, he's a human now because his true love kissed him, but it's like, oh, sorry, your true love's in love with someone else. I just remember thinking that was romantic as fuck. Like, way more so than any sort of, like, destined uh, romance plot when I was a kid, because I just thought the idea of, like, 
choosing to love someone regardless of whether or not they're your soulmate. Like, I just thought that was real sweet, man. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, for. <laughs> Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the times when you have, like, um that kind of stuff happen in movies, it's because, like, the writers want to write a fun movie about love and they don't necessarily want to make it look like work. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing what gets me about it is that I don't I don't care about most people's relationships. If you tell me you're in love with someone, fantastic, great, enjoy your heart-shaped candy, love you much, but I don't that's not that's not a stake as it were. That's not a vampiric stake. That doesn't mean anything to me if you just say you're in love with someone, what, whatever. That's why dead wife backstories fall so flat for me if we never met her and never know what your relationship was. If you just say she, you loved her and she died, it's like, well, that's sad, I suppose, but there's no difference to me between your dead wife is gone or your dead parakeet is gone. Like that, like, I have equal investment in both of these things. Because oftentimes the, the dead. I had, a, I had a sandwich and it got old and I had to throw it out and now I'm sad about it. I'm very <laughs> sad for you and your sandwich. Yeah, because oftentimes <laughs> the dead wife character has just about as much character established as Dylan's lost sandwich. Martha, who is the name, which is, which is the name of Dracula's wife in this movie, which is just. So my lazy. That means that means that because of that, Dracula could defeat Batman. No, I think Mavis could. <laughs> Save. Like, like could you imagine if if, if yes. Mavis showed up just Mavis in that little face off and was like Batman oh, shit, in, she, in single combat because of this? <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Side note. Um Something I was thinking about while watching this movie was, since we were talking about Castlevania on Netflix, which is a good yeah. show, people should check out. It's a good movie. Um, it's a good series of movies it's called series. The Television. <laughs> um, I was thinking, this is an interesting Castlevania AU, where what if instead of Dracula deciding to purge humanity, he was like, I'm just gonna make, like, a little hotel for my bros. <laughs> and then one day Alucard's like, I wanna get out of the castle, Dad. And he's like, no. And then Trevor and Sypha infiltrate the castle and they're like whoa we found this weird castle and anyways so it's i like AU. that i like that quite a bit <laughs> yeah yeah like maybe the answer isn't to purge humanity but rather just you know make a little safe space that's pretty good i am always in like okay let's talk a little bit okay you know what another level of the of the of the queer energy of this movie let's talk about that making safe spaces for what is essentially in this movie marginal people like yeah this is like that's a good idea i'm into that as a concept and i'm into that as the like plot of this movie is we have this safe space that we've carved out of the world and it is just for us and it's just so that we stay safe and we are going to barricade ourselves in here and you know fuck the world fuck all that might be outside of it because we know how much they hate us. Like, that's an interesting story. 
Why did they do nothing with it? Yeah, they have, like, the little bit towards the end with the whole, like, oh, I guess people like us now, and, like, they're, like, fans of us, I guess, but, like, that that's still not, that's more just, like, a little band-aid on the issue. Yeah, a lot of balls guess... got dropped in this one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, of course, because of, like, how it was written, it wasn't intended with this, and, um... I feel like sometimes when you're writing, you know, outcasts, you end up accidentally pulling from the experiences of real life outcasts, whether you not intend to or not. And there is uh, there there is something to be said for making the uh, the allegory of the outcast people be literal monsters. So do we want to I talk mean, about and- the things we do like about it? Perhaps the thing that I really liked about it. The animation. Get into it, buddy. Yes. Okay, so for a little backdrop, um, Sony decided to um, have, like, a more professional and dynamic hand with uh, the directing for this movie. They went to Gendy Tartakovsky, and I want to give a little backdrop on some of his other works. So we have Dexter's Laboratory, The Powerpuff Girls... Samurai Jack, um, Star Wars, Clone Wars, not the main show, but, like, the, uh, 2D animated shorts that they did. Um, Which is incredible if you guys have never seen it. Yeah, I will get into that. And then Symbionic Titan, which is a little underloved, early cancelled cartoon that Cartoon Network Not underloved by me. Oh my god, oh my god. I'm gonna force Jesse to watch it, and we're gonna have all of um, talk about there's, it. There's the one song, of course, which is the best part of the whole show. Um. Anyways, and then of course, <laughs> uh, Hotel Transylvania, the film series. So something that Gendy Tartakovsky is really skilled at, with in terms of like he's cultivated this from like studying masters of of like classic animation, which is the ability to hold a pose and then hold that to um, sort of create tension for the viewer and then lead into just like really fluid motion. And like, it it just, it creates this really snappy effect in terms of like slapstick or comedic scenes. But then in things like Samurai Jack or the Clone Wars series, you have these really dynamic fight scenes that have this sort of old West feel to them where he really just like will hold on a frame to like build the tensions and, and sort of create that anticipation before you get into like these crazy action sequences where he'll have like 12 different poses for just like a few seconds that just like snap, snap, snap. And And the way the, the way it, it's 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 because you're you're feeding the important information to the viewer with these really dynamic key poses so you're like okay these are the different motions they're going through but then he really hits that timing really well with uh keeping like like these really snappy fluid motions between those those like dynamic poses and the way that translates to 3D animation i feel like is something that hasn't been explored much before his directorial debut with with 3d because um in 3d animation you you there's a lot of use of like the motion blur for example where and also you have like these models where you can like stretch them rather than having to like redraw 
the pose over and over. So in in a sense, some animation hasn't really fed into that potential of just how much you can stretch and manipulate a, a model. You know, like you'll have like a like a up or something like that where the characters don't really you don't really see them explore like, you know, the stretch and squash qualities of of 2D animation. But he's really able to like tap into that with this where they'll have them snap through like just these really like like with Dracula especially, like he'll just sort of do the stretch and squash with his with that character just uh, a lot like the scene where there's like the zombies um dressed as humans and he's like trying to hide behind them um so that his, Mavis won't see him like he's like it doesn't just show that he's like zipping behind them with the motion blur like you actually see the specific poses he's making to like make sure she really can't see them behind him and it's it's just like snap 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 with the way um so that you see those clear poses with the blur in between and it it makes it so that there's enough information for the viewer but it's not it's it doesn't have like a strobe effect like if you were to just let that be a fluid animation because he's got that motion blur between to uh to help not have that strobe effect and I just it's just it's really cool and then they actually coined the term the Gendi blur because um it that hadn't really been done before where they would literally like go through and splice in like extra like like layering of those poses in between the motion blur itself um to make sure that like frame by frame they make sure enough information is given to the viewer instead of just you know point a point b here's where it goes like they go through each frame and make sure you know is this enough context and how can we fix that um and and that term ended up being called the gendy blur and sony ended up using that quite a bit in into the spider-verse as well so i'm not saying into the spider-verse wouldn't exist if not for hotel transylvania but they but are in the same universe, is, they, is what you're, yeah, you're now yeah, putting. Yeah, there's just, there's, there is precedent there for the animation techniques and how they were developed. And uh, I'm just, yeah. So, Sarah, we're going to play a little game. Okay. Called I Don't Know Anything About Technical Animation. Okay. Scale of 1 to 10... Is the animation in the 2012 film Hotel Transylvania good? 10. <laughs> okay, so we got a 10 on animation. Is it innovative? 10. <laughs> Is it used to its full potential? 10. So the animation, I'm, what I'm getting from you, Sarah, who's good at who's good at uh, the line, the lines on the page and on the screen, is that the animation in this movie is flawless. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. And but do you like get the uh, that it? It's like you're watching a two D like old school looney tunes thing as a 3d movie as opposed to like something very plasticky and 
like old Pixar kind of thing. Yeah, sort of what I was thinking. Yes. Yes. Okay, so animation is a 30 out of 10, what I'm getting over over here. Yes. Um, Storyline is uh, like a mess. I'm going to give it a solid 6 out of 10. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. It's Uh, not the best thing I've seen in the world, but I have seen so much worse. And for what it's worth. If we're talking about expectations versus reality, get out of here. It was it's a fucking Adam Sandler movie and I love it. <laughs> so, it's so entertaining. The fact that it's an Adam Sandler movie that we can enjoy watching and rewatching is phenomenal. A thousand out of ten. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. If, if we wanna if we wanna if we wanna compare this against that metric, this movie is the greatest movie ever created. <laughs> In a, in the exponential growth of comparing anything to an Adam Sandler movie is just untenable. <laughs> if, you, if, we, if we go down this road, it's really difficult because basically every other movie is now garbage. <laughs> compare, just like, if you take, like, you, you, you compare the Criterion Collection to Hotel Transylvania as compared to other Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. Okay. It's just like, who knew that Mr. Sandler had so much raw potential sitting within his sitting within his frame? I did. I knew. As a cartoon vampire. I knew. (laughs) That's why I believed in him. That's why I wanted to write this script and send it to him. My favorite part is when Johnny, I think his name is, is like fishing the contact lens out of his eye and then Adam Sandler vampire is just flipping out and his hands get really tiny. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That is a horrifying moment. I do absolutely adore that part because I've I've had to put in contact lenses before and I'm sitting there just like, yeah, that's, that's it though. Like it's extremely uncomfortable, particularly if you're not used to it. It's the worst feeling in the fucking world. His hands are so tiny. He's so anguished. His hands just become these little, little baby hands. I just, I just love his just fingers out of the eye. (laughs) This is not allowed. My favorite part of this movie. uh, The first part. I like the, I like the part. I like it. I like the part. I'm getting so confused with the part I wrote and not not this part. Can you um, can you give like a quick rundown of your rewrite of this film? Yeah, I, happily, so gladly. Uh, opening tracking shot. You're in the <laughs> village surrounding the hotel. Uh, the Quick here's so the, the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch of of, the, of my rewrite of Hotel Transylvania is. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice to meet you, um, uh, Tartar. Was it? Yes, just Tartar. Like share. Okay. Um. So tell us. Um. What What exactly were you planning on pitching to us today? Ah. Uh, well, I'm glad glad to have you here. Uh. 
a big studio producer friend, uh, Adam Sandler as well. Glad to have you in the room. Uh, congratulations Hard on your joke. grand. <laughs> congratulations on the birth of your, uh, your, ne- your nephew, Mazel Tov. He's a beautiful baby. Um, so what I, what I wanted to, to bring to the table here today, uh, uh, assumed members of of the academy and the press uh, was the idea of Hotel Transylvania, but with emotional stakes. Hear Ding me dong. out. I am also on the elevator. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh no! Oh no! My big elevator pitch. Now there's so many people in. I am also the academy and the press combined into one person. Do continue your pitch. Oh, lovely, to, lovely to meet you, Meryl Streep. Um. <laughs> So if you if you if you'll follow me, rabbit hole of uh, what would happen if people in this movie cared about anything at all. Uh, you take uh, you take the idea that Dracula still has his daughter, who he is very protective of, because in his past his wife and her mother did did die, were murdered to death by humans. That did happen. Uh, we find out later that the this wife. Dominique de Beauve uh, was in fact a, a vicious warlord who kept an iron crimson fist uh, clutched in Transylvania and ruled over all the vampires. And she did turn him into a vampire. So she has like this whole big backstory that we find out about and had like a whole life before him. And then they got married and then her priorities changed and she uh she did she did still get murdered still got murdered because she was more of a family person at that point less with the murdering she did get killed but uh that scarred dracula uh so he does do the hotel does make it does build it it is a big brick and uh then janine shows up and she's a cryptozoologist and this cryptozoologist has partied with a lot of vampires in her time, doing a big tour de force of uh, of uh, Transylvania. Important question. Um, yes, Mr. Sandler. Jesse, was it? Uh, I I like Tartar. I feel like Tartar is a is okay. a good one from you. Yeah. Important question, Tartar. Um, is it gonna be gay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good question. Good question, Mr. Sandler. Excuse me, excuse uh, me, Tartar. It is I, Meryl Streep. Yes, uh, Dame, I, Dame I, Streep. I, I do support the gay, so I would love to, to speed along to the gay part, if you uh, okay, will. Okay, fair. Uh, fair, fair, fair. Fair understanding from both of you. Uh, it will be gay. It will be quite gay. Um, Funded. So you see, Janine uh, uh, sneaks into the hotel... Uh, to do an examination of the haunt that she heard was happening uh, here. Turned out it was a big birthday party. Sneaks in, meets Mavis. Mavis uh, has this big road trip plan. She just wants to leave the hotel, get out from under her father's thumb, and uh, explore the world. And Janine shows up and is like, hey, I'm a globetrotting uh, lesbian. Let's, uh, let's, talk. let's talk. Let's talk where you want to go. Let's, I got a bunch of maps. You want a map? I got a map. I got a map and a Subaru. What do you need? We can get some tie-in sponsorship from Subaru. I know that they did it on the Laura for some god-awful reason. <laughs> we could do it here. 
Uh, so she and Janine, they talk, they learn about uh, the world. Janine explains where she's been. Mavis explains, hey, I'm a vampire. Let's talk about that. And they have this big sit down. And then, you know what? Chemistry starts to bubble up. What's all this bubbling chemistry? Who knows? And then the other monsters are like, ah, oh, Janine, you came to my nephew's bar mitzvah again. Mr. Sandler, congratulations. And uh, of Dracula who's like no you're gonna take my daughter away and also you're a lesbian oh no uh, and so there's uh, there's some understanding that happens there's learning uh, then a villain that we set up in the beginning uh, comes back tries to start a war with the vampires Janine tries to interfere because she's a human so she figures she could talk to them doesn't work because that's not how prejudice works Big attack happens, vampires fighting humans, humans fighting werewolves. It's just carnage all over the place. Janine takes a stake to the heart that was meant for Dracula. Uh, the humans are defeated because they are weak. And uh, Janine is turned into a vampire, and Janine and Mavis go off and have a wonderful vampiric road trip. And Dracula learns to let go of his adult daughter, who really... Should have been able to leave by now. Well, we finally reached the 700th floor of this very long elevator ride. I just thought this elevator was very slow, was my was my concern there. Oh no, Meryl Streep is never wrong. Also, I'm funding right. it. Take all, all of my millions so, of dollars. So, um, so, so that's how, my, how that's my movie that I wrote myself. That. Yeah, definitely an improvement. Fund it, Sony, at Sony. Let's at make Sony, this at Adam Sandler. At Gendy Tartakovsky. At Gendy Tartakovsky. At Selena Gomez, who played Mavis. Oh, who are we replacing you know, Andy Samberg with? Yeah. Andy Samberg is not going to be replaced. I, he, I don't know who he's going to play, but he'll be in it. Well, uh, he's of in course the mix. he'll be a different character, but who who plays Janine? Uh, 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 who plays Nomi? What's her name? Nomi in Sense8. What's oh her my name? gosh. What's her, what's her name? I'm Googling. Someone uh, Google. Jamie Clayton. Jamie Clayton will be playing Janine. I'm very excited. Well, you Fun heard it. it here first. The year 2020. Hotel Transylvania remix. <laughs> Hotel mm-hmm. Transylvania final remix. HD 2.8. 3.58 by two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to uh, to starting production on this. Yeah, it's especially be given that it's been fully wild. funded. It's been fully funded by both Meryl Streep and Adam Sandler. So, wait, I think we've you were Adam Sandler cold. this whole time. Yeah, so we also have we have Adam Sandler in the elevator with us. He's right here. Oh, I wish him a a, a congratulations on the birth of his nephew that I assume he has. Fart joke. Oh, there he is. Uh, There's classic that classic Sammer Hammer. <laughs> well, it's um, been real fun, y'all, in this elevator with you talking about Hotel Transylvania. Have we been in the elevator the whole time? You've always been here. Yeah, I don't think we ever left or mm-hmm. entered. I think we've yeah, we've just always... I think we were born in here. Okay. Well, <laughs> unpacking that later, 
Um, any final Can this podcast today? be called There's a Lot to Unpack Here? That could be... Okay, yeah, we haven't had a title yet, so there's a lot to unpack here. Might that could be, be a family. Might be the title. This could be a family. I'm down for that. A lot to unpack here. Welcome to There's a Lot to Unpack Here, a podcast where we all talk about three separate things, but are they really that different? It's all, well, it's all the same thing. Probably an underrated animated film that we recognize as the cinematic masterpiece that it is. (laughs) Or alternatively, an adequately rated film. A film that I think received as many accolades as it probably deserved. Yeah, probably. had potential to be better. Probably, yeah, that's fair. But that's why we're here to unpack that all. For we, you, dear listeners. The, the way that we get into this is that we all, three of us, just show up with three suitcases, and in our separate suitcases as uh, our topics, and so we unpack them. Well, here is the final, that's a good... final suitcase thing to unpack. Oh, what's this? It's... Do you have any pieces of media you want to recommend? As we close out. Like Adam Sandler media? No, or... it doesn't have to be Adam Sandler media. I think we already scraped the barrel there. Can I recommend, like, can I recommend, like, um, watching Happy Gilmore, but, like, set it to 2.5 speed? <laughs> yes. Can I recommend uh, watching the bit where Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore were on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon, like Drew Barrymore was very pregnant at the time and Adam, uh, Adam Sandler starts singing to her and Jimmy and Jimmy Fallon pulls out a guitar and it, it turns into a song that he had sung to her uh, during their movie together, the name of which I'm forgetting, but she starts just bawling and it's honestly very sweet. That's beautiful. and I did not know that. See, I don't have any Adam Sandler media to recommend, so y'all... Okay, no, 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 uh, okay. In full earnestness, watch Click. Okay, we're just gonna end it here. <laughs> okay, but, like, watch Click, though. Why? I... I... Do, why? It's got... It's got, uh, Needs More Cowbell. What's his name? That's that Walken. Yeah, that's to cool. He's, he's in there too. Boobs. Like, it's illeg- No, Sarah, j- jokes is jokes is gone. I mean, this is like literally. Oh no. A great movie. Oh god. Well, this has been the end of the podcast. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> no, Sarah, I'm not. I'm not fucking I with you. I know you're not it's joking, and that's why I'm disappointed. Movie. I am not the only person who thinks this. Go ask anybody who's seen it. Oh, I could be the man who grows old with you. I want to grow Oh, That's the song that he sings to her. I can't. I can't. I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> I, I need out of this elevator. <laughs> you were, you've always been here, Sarah. Oh, God. Just wanted to say, Sarah has no taste, Click's a good movie. I want to say, I just Dylan wanted to has say, no taste, he thought Looper was a good movie. <laughs> I just wanted to say, Adam hey. Sandler, if you're out there, like, you didn't invite me to your to your son's bar mitzvah, and, like, I guess we're, like, we'll deal with it, 
But like, talk to me about rewriting your movie. Talk to me.